Hey everybody, welcome to the Midwest Wed, everything you need to know about weddings in the Midwest, brought to you by local experts. I'm Melanie. And I'm Anne. And we're, we're the, the Midwest, Midwest Wed. Welcome to episode 8. Alright, so we've kind of broken down the timeline in the past couple episodes after we announced our grand total giveaway for 2020, which if you haven't been listening, you should definitely go back and listen to previous episodes, but we are giving away a $30,000 wedding in 2020 with 18 local vendors. It's going to be amazing and fun, and you still have just under two weeks to apply for that um, giveaway. But I think by the time we post this one, it'll just be a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, we pre-record these. (laughs) We aren't live. (laughs) Spoiler. So next thing we thought we would talk about before we dig into other wedding planning pieces is kind of, I guess we're going to break it into two parts. First, we're going to talk about budget. I know we've touched on this a little bit, but we're going to kind of break things down for you. And then also engagement parties, because that's one of the first things you do after you get engaged. Right. Um, So let's talk budget first, because that budget can kind of also roll over into the engagement party as well. Um, But I think that it's very important to have a budget and to stick around around the budget. And you have a great rule that I'd love for you to explain because it's kind of my new motive. Yeah. So we talked about this in a previous episode, but I I live my life by a 10% rule. And I think it just, you know, really upsets my father if he rationalized that I do this. But uh, 10% rule in budgeting would be that as long as you stay in your 10% window, you're doing pretty good. So if you are supposed to be spending $20,000, as long as you spent somewhere between eighteen thousand and twenty-two thousand, you're in budget. Granted, this probably can get you into trouble when you go shopping for a house or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's a thing. That's I mean, there's a reason I don't own a house probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you're talking about budget, I think there's other things that you can look at when you're trying to stay close to it, and that's like originally allocating things to different areas of the budget, but then also being willing to have that wiggle room, not necessarily in the grand total of your budget, but in where that money goes. And I think when you start budgeting money, giving yourself a good idea of what different vendors cost. And then, you know, if photography is more important than having a cupcake for everybody, you can allocate your money from the cupcakes towards a photographer. Or if a DJ is more important than than good photos, you know, you could take away from that photography budget and put it into music. Um, so there's different ways to kind of juggle your money around, but having a good idea of what your total costs want to be and an idea of what roughly other people are spending on each category is a good idea. Totally. So we thought that we would break things down for you budget-wise, like what national averages are, what North Dakota averages are, just so you know where to start, because that's the other thing. Like, throwing out a dollar amount but not understanding what things cost is kind of what gets a lot of brides into trouble. Um, Thinking you want to spend one thing but then realizing that everything costs more, or maybe thinking that you're going to have to spend... $5,000 on your dress because of what television has taught you and then realizing that you don't need to um, is kind of where you can stray away from the budget or not know how to set a budget. So we're going to just talk about averages here. Um, So we pulled some of this information off of the knot.com. Just a great way to 
you know, get an idea of what it was instead of having us call a bunch of vendors. Um, unfortunately, this information was dated back from 2016 weddings and 2017 weddings. So the natural, national average cost of weddings in 2017 was 33391 So the North Dakota market is a little bit lower, and I found that myself planning a wedding that I knew what North Dakota weddings cost, and then planning a Montana wedding, I was kind of like, what the heck? My husband even joked, like, we're in the wrong market. <laughs> um, so North Dakota wedding costs are actually lower, and they're at 20347 So our giveaway, granted this information is a year or two older. And everything's um, going to get more expensive right, every year in 2020. So, yeah. yeah, and we kind of budget our 2020 giveaway amounts towards what we think the cost will be by then. So, um, you know, if you would have called me in 2018 and asked what I cost, for the exact same package, it's an, it's lower price than what the 2020 value is because my prices do go up. So North Dakota average cost in 2016 was 20347 which again is lower than our $30,000 giveaway. So our giveaway is drastically higher because of, one, we're planning out for another year in advance, and two, we're giving them top of the line. So we're not just yeah. giving them average. I think that these numbers just prove that the Midwest wedding giveaway is not like an average free wedding. It is like top of the line vendors that are going to be hitting all of those price points because of the quality of service or the quality of product that you're getting. And that is why even though the average cost of North Dakota wedding is under 25000 that our wedding sits at 30 mm -hmm. and it's because you're using and getting all of those top-of-the-line vendors. Right, you're not just getting a bunch of newbies trying to promote themselves and getting their name out. We're all people with, you know, years of experience. Yep. Um, so breaking down those costs a little bit, the average venue cost was $9,500. Um, I'm not sure where they got that. I don't know either because Black Leg is giving us a weekend which is different than most ven like vendors venues in town only give away the day of. Like, if you're getting married on Saturday, you check in Saturday morning, you check out Saturday night. I just guess I don't know much about cost of venue when it comes to the different hotels in Bismarck and Fargo and other areas. Um, I almost wonder if that includes some portion of the catering or something. Oh, like a 10%? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I bet some hotels, like... You have to do the catering through them. But you get like, a discount mm -hmm. on it? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but they did list the average venue at 9500 which would be right on par with Black Legs. Except for we don't know if they're giving away, an, like, their average is based off of a single day or a whole weekend. Right. Which Black Leg is a whole weekend. Right. So that one's, like, a little skewed, but... Yeah. <laughs> we're just... We that just want to tell you of, the average. We're kind of confused with. Um, photographers in 2016 were charging 2200 I can say that's pretty close to what I was. I think in 20, and again, what, how many hours are they giving away? Currently, all that information wasn't shared. Um, it just said average cost of a photographer was 2200 um, And in 2016, I think I was closer to like 2500 2800 mm -hmm. um, for like an eight-hour package. Um, I have no idea, but I'm just kind of guessing. So, I mean, again, those numbers are, are going to be different on what all is included in those packages. But I think finding a photographer that right now is around, I don't know, eight hours is, is a pretty average day. Mm -hmm. I always say 10 hours for like Catholic or church weddings because you have to be in the church so many hours beforehand. Um, a lot of different things go on when you're having a church wedding versus like having somebody marry you outside in the backyard for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, if you're like 
doing everything out at Black Leg, still you only need an eight-hour day because you're not transporting people around for pictures. Right. Um, but yeah, eight-hour days are usually what most of my clients go with unless they're doing everything in one spot, then it's more of a 10-hour day. Um, and I think most Bismarck photographers for an eight-hour day right now are, are right around that 3,000 mark. Yeah, I would say that that's most of what I know. Obviously, there's going to be some range there, some mm-hmm. newer photographers, or maybe somebody that doesn't do it as much of a full-time job. Or might, that don't give away print release are going to have higher costs, or lower starting costs, because lower then, you starting to, costs, yeah. then you have to pay for the prints in addition. And then you're going to have other photographers that have been around for longer, have more experience, mm-hmm. have built their name up, that might cost you a little bit more. Two shooters or an, versus just one shooter. Yeah. I do always think that in photography... And in dresses and in floral, everything that there's going to be like a physical thing that you're getting Mm -hmm. from the vendor, I always think that you get what you pay for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I always hear horror stories of people like booking a photographer and then like they just like disappear. Oh gosh. Like they decided they didn't want to do it. Too much pressure. Oh my. Yeah. I've had a couple weddings that look like that, um, which is a super scary thought. I could not imagine doing something like that. So, next on the knot, we pulled the average dress cost. Again, remember these are 2016, but the average dress cost is 1500 which, I mean, I would say has gone up a little bit in since then. You know, now we're in 2019, uh, but it's still pretty close, and it definitely was probably... At White Lace, average dress cost in 2016 was probably under 1500 but close. Um, but, like... Like we said, they're taking the skew from the whole state. and Yeah, are they including a veil? Is it just a dress? Are they yeah, from, or alterations. Is there a belt I'm there? <laughs> Yeah, there's just like a lot of... So these are just brand numbers, but at least they're, you're getting like some kind of idea of where you should start your thought process. Um, next, next one. <laughs> next is floral, which they had listed at 1750 Again seemed a little high for me. I have had a lot of friends that have gotten married or I've spoken to a lot of brides and there's going to be a big range of floral packages but then again we don't know if if this floral package includes things like centerpieces or a ceremony arch or it's not just bouquets and boutonnieres then 1750 makes sense to me Um, but that's another thing that there can be quite a big range in so and the last one I found was event planner for 2800 and I think event planners are kind of newer to our area so the fact that somebody's paying $2,800 for an event pl- uh, planner kind of just put me in shock because I don't hear about a lot of event planners until just recently and um, then again I'm not 100% sure they didn't have decorator listed on there so maybe that's part so of maybe it. they're calling an event planner a decorator or combining those two things hard to say but yeah I mean, the knot, you just kind of left us hanging with these broad numbers here. But at least it's a starting point for you guys. If you're wondering what you should be paying for what so that you're not overspending or underspending and that it's like a plausible number. The other thing when you're planning your budget is figuring out who is paying for this. Are you as the bride and groom paying for everything? Are you going to do old school and let the bride's family pay for it, which I don't even really hear a lot of that anymore? Are your parents splitting it? Are Is everybody paying for it a little bit? Um, I think just being upfront with your parents and your significant other and figuring out what you want to pay in the end. Is and who's just, paying for what. Yeah, yeah. is the first step. Um, like, unfortunately for me, the year I got married, I got engaged first, but both of my other sisters decided they wanted to get married that year. <laughs> my stepsister ended up getting married the week after me, 
And it was just, like, a huge cluster. I'm like, you guys are totally taking away from my funds here. I'm like, not only do our parents now have to partake in three weddings in one year in the course of, like, four months. And it was Montana, New Mexico, and Colorado. So it wasn't all just, like, in Bismarck. <laughs> right. I'm like, you guys are killing me. I was first. I, I'm going first. Like, and I'm by far... I was the youngest out of those three, <laughs> so, but I'm like, no, everybody step away, this is my year, I was so mad. So, that just shows you, everyone's situation is different, you know what I mean, everyone's parents' financial situations are different, or family situations are different, um, I see a lot of brides whose parents pay for their wedding dress, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their parents are paying for the venue, or right. paying for the flowers, I think it's really common now to see that stuff get split up, Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, your dad might want to pay for your dress or it might mean a lot to your parents to pay for your photography, but a lot of times different things are going to be assigned to different people. It's very rare to see like one person paying for the oh whole my gosh, shebang yeah. I couldn't like it used to be right. back in the day. I mean, that would have been nice, but Can I also would have felt a little guilty too. Right. Because then it's like, well, I really want this, but I know that it costs a lot. So then someone would, if that was like my situation, someone would have to just like rein me in. This is another That's Bill Cleary father <laughs> trick. Uh, when I was going to prom, he told me my senior year he wasn't going to pay for my prom dress. <laughs> so then I picked out like a very affordable one. <laughs> and then he came into White Lace where I was working at the time as a high schooler. And paid for it. And I was like, oh, dang it. If I would have known you were going to pay for it, I would have picked a more expensive one. See, my dad was like... So I feel like he would do that to me on my wedding, too. Yeah. My dad was like, I'll either buy you a prom dress every year, or for the last year, you can have what I would have spent the other two and go all out your senior year. And I'm like, I'm in for the the one shebang. The one shebang. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. So, I mean, I think that just discussing that up front before you go booking things that maybe you will end up not being able to afford or maybe booking things that are less expensive because you're trying to pinch pennies and then you're finding out that you could have had your dream venue because so-and-so is covering part of the cost. I mean, yeah, you just got to talk about that stuff early on before all the planning starts. And, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to save money for a wedding and people don't really think about that. We've kind of touched on that a little bit, but... I think one of the key things to spend money on is food. Like, you don't have to feed. You don't have to invite everybody you know and everybody you grew up with and feed all of them. Invite them just to the dance. That's a great way to save money because food is a huge expense. In the being in the wedding industry, and I know that it's hard to rationalize this as a bride, and it's easy for Mel and I to rationalize this, but your wedding does not have to be gigantic. No. The easiest way to cut costs on a wedding is to limit the amount of people that you feed mm-hmm. <laughs> at or the end invite. of the day. Because yeah. if you invite less, then you have less invitations. Less invitations, less know. costs kind of all around. And less decorations on tables. But, I mean, I think that if that's not an option for you, and you're like, you know, uh, I grew up in Bismarck, my wedding's going to be in Bismarck, I have a huge family, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, everyone's situation is different. So if you need to feed 500 people or 700 people at your wedding, then you have to consider, like, maybe you you go to a, a more affordable venue or maybe you go somewhere that is like an option maybe just for you. I've heard a lot about brides who, you know, have a hookup because somebody has a farm and then they're just paying mm-hmm. the rent a tent instead of renting a venue. But then you got to remember that some of those penny pinching situations cost you money in other regards. If you're setting up a tent 
You need liability insurance. You need insurance. You then are bringing in all of the food. Um, and so that is going to become... What happens when it rains? A bigger issue, Nobody too. wants to ad- ad- <laughs> look at that demon in the face, but he... Shows his ugly face once in a while, and I've been there, and it is not fun. I've never been to a tent wedding when it's raining, but oh I haven't been to very many tent weddings. So, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's going to be ways to cut costs, and it all depends on what your priority is. If your priority isn't your dress, then you should be budgeting less for that and more for where it counts for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and same can be said about florists or photography or any of those things. Granted. When you speak to somebody in the industry, we're going to tell you why all of those things are important for your, the end of your day, but you like, have to decide. I will not preach enough that real flowers photograph and look better than fake flowers. Yes. And in the long run, fake flowers usually get pretty close to real flowers by the time you start paying for all the That's fake flowers. That's what I was so surprised by. Yeah. It, and people are always like, I'm buying fake flowers and doing them myself because it's going to save money, but then you're taking your time away from other things, maybe work, asking other people to help you. So where do you, you know, budget in your cost for your own time? Right. And then all the material to do it, it is not fun. And so it just kind of depends on, like, what you view as a priority and where is plausible for you to cut costs. Like, oh, excuse me. Like, <laughs> like Mel and I have said before, we view the number of people as a big expense, and so making sure that you're choosing the number of people you want at your wedding would be something that you definitely should consider. And if consider. you're feeling pressure from, like, a family member to invite all these people, don't be afraid to ask them to help chip in, because when my mother-in-law told me she wanted to invite the entire city of Golden Valley because it's, like, a hundred people and they're all best friends and I didn't <laughs> meet, like, a third of them... I looked her straight in the face and said, you're buying the invites and whoever decides to come that I've never met and that I don't feel necessarily needs to be there, you're buying the food. I mean, I think that there's something to be said about the that communication level of like who is financially helping pay and then what decisions that gives them grounds to make. Um, because if your parents are paying for everything, then yeah. they might have a little bit more leeway and who, they who, the, who gets to come, or what food gets to be served, or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're paying for all of it, then yeah, at some point you need to rationalize that not only is it your day, but it's also your money. Well, then so, people don't think about, you know, when they invite 500 or 700 guests, you have to tell them all, thank you for coming, thank you for showing up, so nice to see you, or nice to meet you. Now you're taking time away from your dance, time away from your reception, because you're, you're, you know, sometimes meeting new people, and Talking to people takes a a good amount of time. And, like, for me, personally, at my wedding, I didn't want to be spending the entire evening, like, hi, nice to meet you, thanks for coming. I wanted to be enjoying the people that I love and care about and having a good time. So, I mean, I think that when it comes to saving money, there's going to be tricks to the trade. I'm sure there's tons of blogging articles about it from all of these people that blog about weddings. We named everything off the not.com, so, I mean, you could probably (laughs) skip over that one. (laughs) Um, But... At the end of the day, I think it just comes down to what's a priority to you and where you want to spend your money and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll move on from budgets and talk about kind of the first step after getting engaged, which is engagement party. Yes, and I hope they become more popular in the Midwest because I love an excuse to celebrate love and uh, enjoy some cocktails. Um, but the first part with engagement planning is 
you know, you got to have a budget as well. You got to figure out what am I going to spend on it? Who's paying for it? Am I paying for it? And who's hosting it? Mm -hmm. This is a great area to let family members that are maybe overly helpful in on. That's true. Because you're going to have a couple of family members as you go through planning that are wanting to help with everything and things like showers or engagement parties, that kind of thing, that are going to be an added expense, but are also really fun, not only for you, but for the person that gets to give that to you and gets to host it for you. I think that that's a great opportunity to like kind of almost pass the buck and not necessarily do it yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not that fun to throw a party for yourself anyways. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you should let somebody hey, else come do that. celebrate me. <laughs> um, yeah, my parents did our engagement party and it was super low-key. Just sit in the backyard. We announced who we wanted on our wedding. We announced our wedding date, venue location, everything kind of, everything that everybody was asking me about on social media on a daily basis. I just put it all out there one night. Instead of trying to respond to everybody, it was like, just wait, we're still planning, we're still figuring out, you know, step one and step two, come to our engagement party and you will know all the details that you need to know. So yeah, I think that most of the time it's like parents of the bride, parents of the groom, maybe if you're really close to like an aunt and uncle uh, or whoever would potentially be your host couple yep. at your wedding, that's a great person to reach out to about planning an engagement party, there are going to also be people that potentially just offer before you're like, who should plan this for me? Right. You might have an aunt and uncle or, a, you know, the groom's parents or somebody like that that wants to host it and they'll offer to before you even have to think about it. Um, I think the who to invite thing is going to be, you know, obviously you want your close family there. Mm -hmm. But as well as, like, the people that you're intending to be in your wedding party, because like Mel said, it's a great opportunity to ask your bridesmaids to all be bridesmaids and they all get to experience that together instead of, you know, just texting them or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, you know, close friends and close family members, but with whoever is hosting it, that gives them kind of the opportunity to invite people that they feel like should also be there. Mm -hmm. I'm envisioning this with my mother and my mother, that group of people is a lot bigger <laughs> than the people I would envision in Portland. So if she would want all of those people there, then it would have to be at her house and hosted by her, and that's something that my mom would probably be totally fine with, so it would be okay. You know, I also have heard that um, engagement parties are becoming kind of like a vendor trial day, oh. um, which is fun and different. You know, if you're playing around with two different decorators or two different... Um, DJs or I mean just depending on what you want to spend at this engagement party you know it's it would be nice to invite them there and have them work kind of on a smaller scale and get to know them to see if your personalities mix um, and also if they are able to take the direction that you want because sometimes you'll work with a vendor I personally work with vendors and I'm like I really want this this and this and then they're like here you go and I'm like no you didn't listen to me at all. You just gave me what you wanted, you know? Sure. So and I mean, it's a good time to try things out. That's really true. And it, that would kind of depend on, too, like, what kind of party you want to have. If it's going to be, like, barbecue during the day outside, that type of thing, it's still an easy opportunity to test out a decorator or a florist. Or food. Or food. For catering. For sure. Uh, but if you're going to have an evening cocktail party, if you... Again, catering, you can test it out, but also, like Mel said, DJ or something like that. I mean, we were super, super low-key. It was parents and so, like, funds, like, if you wanted to save money and spend it all towards the wedding, I mean, we just did 
like a small personal cookout in the backyard by my parents at their house with just friends and family and those in the wedding party. Um, I mean, it was all super, I bet my parents spent less than a thousand dollars. I was going to say, I think everyone in North Dakota likes a good barbecue with hamburgers and hot dogs. (laughs) I think that it can be as low key as you want it to be, but if you want to do it up, if you want to use it as an opportunity to test out vendors or even check out if you like a location or something like that, I mean, you do what works for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, engagement parties are fun, but they're not necessary. Right. You also don't have to have one. (laughs) So So that's kind of just a breakdown of episode eight and what we think um, budgeting and planning your wedding should be and engagement party stuff. Uh, Anything else you wanted to touch on? You know, uh, do you want to give them the key for this week? Oh, yeah. Me or you? You. Okay. Um, I am going to go with Stella, my monster Bernice Mountain Dog who has been so naughty lately, and my sassy little diva daughter, Bristol, has just became a whole new person around her and thinks that she's the boss. Like, Stella, (laughs) go lay down. Stella, get out of here. And I'm like, you don't need to talk to her like that. I'm talking to her like that. She doesn't need to hear both of us yelling at her. (laughs) Okay, so the keyword for the week is Stella. You're learning little bits of Melanie's life (laughs) with these keywords, and most of them revolve around either Mel's children or my dogs or her dogs. (laughs) So Stella is the keyword. You can send that into us on Facebook or Instagram if you hear it. Or if you haven't turned in your application and you're still filling it out, just scribble it somewhere on your application along with the other keywords if you're listening every week. This has been the Midwest Wed, everything you need to know about weddings in the Midwest, brought to you by local experts. I'm Melanie. And I'm Anne. Cheers. Cheers.